You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton, Kevin Cook, and Jeremy Paxton. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 82 of The Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, and I'm joined this week by the one and only Kevin Cook. It looks like, uh, Kevin, it's just me and you this week as both uh, Jeremy, I guess, is in Colorado, and Hunter Atkins is gearing up for spring training and West Palm Beach, Florida. I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah, uh, and and you may be involved with that at some point. You sort of uh, fingers crossed insinuated yourself into that situation. <laughs> it sounds like he's following up on it. So good for you. I'm happy for both of you guys. I'd love to be there as well. But uh, obviously, uh, you know, missing Hunter as we always do, and, and missing Jeremy as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jeremy is skiing right now. So uh, last week on the show, he complained about the 85 degree weather here in Houston. Yeah. Uh, I guess he escaped to Colorado to get away from that. But uh, a bit of a complainer is Jeremy. I mean, I don't blame him. A little bit I mean, of a whiner. 80, 85 degrees in February. Come on. I mean, that's that's Texas for you. Sure, but we all live here, and we don't all complain about it all the time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, just a, a word to the wise, I guess. Yeah, and uh, this week, uh, it, it's kind of a slow week in sports. I mean, the Rockets, of course, uh, lost the Miami Heat on Wednesday night, and then uh, we had the NBA All-Star break. Uh, spring training is starting to kick into gear. We don't have any exhibition games going on right now. It's a lot of workouts. Football season is, is over, but... Uh, Football season is never really over. That's true. It, it, it does go year round. But I, I guess the big news from a sports landscape here in Houston would have to be the three point contest on Saturday night with Eric Gordon yeah. coming away as a winner. Now, what validation for what he's been able to do this season? Obviously, he started off a little hotter than he's been lately, but to see him get that win there was really, really big. You know, it kind of uh, puts a stamp on how valuable he's been to this club. What a good move that was for this club. You know, there was a lot of um, hand-wringing about injury problems when Gordon and Anderson came in here. They, they fit in really well. You know, Daryl Morey's always had his eye on those guys, and they have been exactly what you would want them to be in this system. I think Eric Gordon's your, your sixth man of the year, for sure. Oh, without question. And I, I know that was something that you and I discussed before the season started, after, you know, the Rockets made the move to bring Gordon on to the, to the team. We were concerned about his health. Yeah. Because when he plays, he plays well. And mm-hmm. what he's done for the Rockets this year has just been absolutely remarkable. And it was kind of nice to see him go back to New Orleans, you know, where he kind of got the start to his career. Mm-hmm. And knock off Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I mean, who, who believes the world is flat? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe his basketball was flat. Maybe is that's that why he really, lost. I don't. I don't get that. I saw that the tweet, the headlines, and stuff like that. It didn't seem like it had enough substance for me to really follow up on it. Have you looked into that? Does he really truly believe the world is flat? I don't think so. I think he's making more of a a stand on the the, the fake news mm. issue that you're seeing right now with with Donald Trump. So in this stand against fake news, is he for fake news? Is that? What? I, I think I think he's just mocking it essentially. Okay. But it, it was actually like discussed on sports center one of the things that i actually uh, found funny is on sports center they were like you know maybe you need to go back and listen to what your teachers taught you uh in school uh, which, he had which, all of his tutors did his homework and tests for him. right, he, right, didn't, right. he didn't do a lick of school but that's actually the funny thing there's a book that was written i remember reading it in high school it's called laws lies my teacher told me yeah. one of them one of the things in there was uh, that you know everyone in christopher columbus's era believed the world was flat right that's not true that was something told to us so we could pay attention when we were in you know first and second grade uh but Kyrie Irving is obviously making headlines uh this week with that news and uh, I, I thought it was funny uh Silver the commissioner uh made a comment in a press conference on Saturday stating that uh you know both myself and Kyrie went to Duke we were educated at the same university but maybe he took different classes than I did <laughs> so I, I I do appreciate the humor from him <laughs> yeah he took mostly basketball classes right and like staying eligible classes and oh, probably. athletics PE that sort of stuff yeah yeah the 
these uh, degree plans, we've talked about those on the show before, they are um, certainly highly individualized and uh, not as rigorous as the rest of the academic community from a lot of things that I've heard. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, uh, who was who was the uh, Cardell Jones from yeah. Ohio State, the quarterback? Didn't come here to play. He school. didn't come here to play school. So uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely interesting. But uh, congratulations to Eric Gordon for uh, winning the three point contest. And uh, I thought it was actually interesting. Daryl Morey uh, tweeted out during the skills competition that uh, it, that it was a shame that Patrick Beverly did not get the opportunity to mm. defend his crown. Uh, you know, I, what was it last year? But, uh, it, you know, it, it's not a huge victory. But one takeaway that I do have is the last two three-point champions went to the NBA Finals. That's a good point. Steph Curry yep. and the other Splash Brother. And, and if you think about what that means, I just think it speaks to the importance of the three-point shot. I mean, mathematically, it is worth one and a half times as much as any shot from within the arc. You know, even if you're talking about layups or whatever, it just it makes all the sense in the world. And I think the fact that you see these guys that are really proficient at three point shooting, they have the most valuable skill in basketball. To me, it used to be like the Rajon Rondo type. That's the kind of point guard I wanted. I wanted a guy who could distribute, great court vision, a pretty good size, can play some defense. You know, will rebound, be physical, do all these different things, kind of be a jack of all trade. What you really need now is someone who can help you spread the floor by knocking down the three ball, and that's a lot of the way basketball is played. And as you look at the way basketball is played, I think every Everybody universally right now enjoys watching basketball. I don't, I don't hear a lot of complaints about the games being too long or boring or weird. But but do you like the direction that basketball's headed in with this uh, reliance on the three-point shot and I the do. way high school kids are, are growing up learning to shoot it now? So I, I, I don't necessarily know how high school kids, how the AAU circuit works, but I can tell you from watching college basketball and, and to see the NBA, I, I like the fast-paced offense. I mean, you know, I, that's the same thing when I watch football as well. I like high-scoring games. Yeah. I love games that push the tempo. And that's what I like about what D'Antoni's doing with the Rockets. Oh. And to me, it's just such a, it's, it's such a fun brand of sport to watch. And we look at the Rockets right now, um, you know, even though it's the all-star break, and uh, unlike Major League Baseball and, you know, the NHL season where they have it at the midway point of the season, uh, the NBA all-star kind of falls, I don't know, what, two-thirds of the way through the season. And not quite, I think, but, but yeah, pretty close. But the Rockets right now are sitting at 40 and 18 coming out of the all-star break. They're That's in third place in the West. You know, they, they kind of struggled in the last 10 games going six and four, but you've got to be excited with the direction of this team. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what D'Antoni's done, what James Harden has done, who has to be the front runner. We, we've talked about it on the show right now, you know, in the past, Daryl Morey is probably your executive of the year yep. for making the moves that n- nobody thought that these moves were going to work out. D'Antoni, in the running for coach of the year. I'm not, I'm not sure that'll get it. Harden MVP mm-hmm. sixth man of the year. has got to be Gordon. Yeah. I mean, this is a great time to be a Rockets fan. And honestly, if this team like peaks, if, if it really reaches its potential, I still don't know if it can challenge the golden state warriors, but of course, trade deadlines coming up, uh, I believe Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So that's our, that's kind of our big thing that we're watching. Are the Rockets going to make any moves? When Moray was on the show, he said, not necessarily. You know, he basically indicated that he was not being as aggressive as he had been in years past. He didn't see the need for it. He felt the chemistry was good and so forth. But, uh, you know, people do what's in their instincts. He's a, he's a, he's a natural-born trader, you know. Uh, so I, I expect something to happen at the trade deadline. I'm not sure what exactly. We've talked a bit about some trade scenarios before, but uh, but maybe he's uh, more interior defense. I don't know if you can get your hands on Nerlens Noel. I know he's available. Um, but there's there's some pieces out there. I fully expect the Rockets to do something, and I think something minor would be great. You don't want to mess up too many of your rotations. You don't want to mess up the chemistry they have going on in the court right now. So uh, a little complimentary piece that kind of fixes some things that have been ailing you. I mean, I would love a better chance to compete against the Golden State Warriors, who you're almost certainly going to see. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, the one person that I'm interested to see where they land or if they do get traded is Carmelo Anthony. I mean, obviously, we've seen so much animosity with the Knicks organization in the past few weeks. Incompetence as well? Incompetence. That's a great term to use, but it doesn't look like Melo is happy. No. How could he be? He wants to win a championship. I mean... Does he? I, 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 I think he probably cares more about getting paid. Yeah. But, like right now in this moment, when he's getting his paychecks, he wants to win a championship. Right. But when it comes time to sign another contract, what does he care about? Money. I mean, that's why he ended up with the Knicks. And I don't freaking blame him either. I don't think he's less of a human or less of a competitor because you know he he wanted to get paid. Like there's a lot of things you can do with that money. I don't begrudge it to him, but that is a fact that that is how he has approached his career. So here's my question for you: The rumor has been that LeBron James wants him in Cleveland. LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah, you do it better than I do. Is that a good landing spot for him? I mean, with Kevin Love out, what, four to six weeks? Yeah, uh, I mean, listen, <laughs> you cannot land in a better spot than Cleveland uh, unless it's Golden State. I mean, those are the two. You have the way the conferences are divided, East versus West. You're almost certainly going to have those two teams facing off against one another. Now, with Love out, obviously, you have uh, Boston is, a, is kind of a dark horse uh, candidate that could get that top seed. I, I, don't think, think, I think they can get the top seed. But I mean, if Cleveland is second or third, uh, and I think second is where you'll find them most likely, I still don't think they're going to have any major issues. I don't think that affects them the way it would affect some other teams because uh, LeBron's been in every single NBA Finals for like the past 50 years. You know, that, that's, that's, that's actually fact. That's, no. that's an alternate fact. That's a real, yeah. like a real fact. But you look at the Celtics right now. I mean, they're only three games back on the Cavs. They're fun. They're fun to watch. They've got a great young head coach. A lot of uh, the nucleus is very young. I don't know that they're going to beat the Cavaliers in a seven-game series. Not yet. They've got so many assets. Ainge, pull the trigger, man. Like, you, I mean, it is... I'm imagining playing, like, GM on NBA 2K and just, like, having all of these and the things you could do with them. How is he sitting on his hands and not using these? But, I mean, it's a credit to his patience and his uh, dedication to getting the right deal for the team. But, yeah, I mean, surely, surely Boston has got to make some kind of a move here before the deadline. I, I would hope it'd be a big one because they've got a lot to play with. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned NBA 2K, and you weren't on last week's show because you were under the weather. But yeah. uh, NBA 2K is, I guess, partnering with the NBA, and they're actually... Mm-hmm going to have a, a professional gaming league yeah like esports is, is that big. real esports is a big thing i kind of thought it was a joke too as i started reading more articles about it it is actually people are going to these stadiums and watching them on the big screen while they happen like tickets sales uh they're very popular you know they have like sponsors i mean it's way bigger than you probably think it is and it's only getting bigger because frankly everyone can play esports i could sit down and play xbox for you know six or eight hours a day if i wanted to get really really good at it. <laughs> so you know I, I think we'll see that continue to grow if you're looking to be in a burgeoning market uh go find a job in esports somehow yeah that, that that would definitely be an interesting thing it was actually uh you know during the super bowl a few weeks ago uh, i went to the ea sports bowl super bowl party and before you know you the band all these parties before man. the band started playing the concerts they actually had athletes sitting down and playing Madden. And really? so, so Dak Prescott was there playing. Uh, Chad Johnson was playing FIFA. He's a huge FIFA person. Yeah. FIFA's uh, better than Madden. Yeah, sure. who, who else was there? Uh, uh, Eric Berry was there. There were, there were a few other athletes that were there. So, yeah, it, it's huge, especially among athletes, to, uh, to play those games. But uh, a, a lot of excitement uh, here in Houston as we uh, – kind of eagerly await to see what happens with the Rockets, who they play in the playoffs, yeah. whether they can get that two seed, whether they can pass the Spurs or a few games back right now in the loss column. Think about the bottom half of the Western Conference. It's Are there any terrible. teams that you fear uh, playing in that first round, depending on where you wind up? The Jazz. Yeah, that's actually a great one. I would not necessarily want to see the Jazz either. Uh, I don't know that I'd want to play the Thunder. I think I would love to play the Thunder. I, I, I mean, that's a series the Rockets should win. Mm-hmm. 
but it's not like they've played well against the Thunder this year. And Westbrook is playing at such a high level. I, I think they would beat them in a seven-game series. Oh, you have to hope so. Otherwise, this team is not what we think it is. But I think the the one team that really gives them matchup issues has got to be the Jazz, just because of their pace of play. The Grizzlies also um, yeah. are just the physical play. The style of play is a little different. I feel like they don't match up well with the Grizzlies. That's another team that I wouldn't be crazy about seeing. But you look at the rest of it there. God, if the Mavericks move up, I'd be fine with playing them. The Pelicans anybody maybe. would want to play the Mavericks. I but. know. But the Mavericks right now are sitting at, what, 22 and 34? Yeah. I mean, they've got a long way to go to catch Dirk's up. Dirk's back. He looks healthy. Yeah. Um, but I, I really want to see if the Rockets can make that push at the two seed. Because if they can get the Spurs in the second round on the home court, that, yeah. that's a game changer. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, let's move on real quick. Uh, CBS Sports uh, released a, I guess, a 50 greatest NBA players of all time. Yeah, I'm just looking at this. This is active or this all is time? active all time. So it Kawhi Leonard's on there. I was shocked. Bam, right up front so, and center. He's number 50. Yeah. I, to me, that's kind of surprising. I mean, when you look at the 50 greatest NBA players, I mean, these are Hall of Fame players. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi has had a great, you know, first few years in the league, but is he a Hall of Fame caliber player at this point? I, at this point, if, he, if his career ended tomorrow, God forbid, I love Kawhi Leonard and his game. I enjoy having him in the league. I hope that doesn't happen. But if, if, if his career ended tomorrow, would he be in the Hall of Fame? No, I would have to say I don't, no. I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't know that you could even make a reasonable argument that he should be. Yeah, I mean, he's a great defender. His offensive game has definitely stepped up in the last uh, few years. He's the future for the Spurs organization. I mean, yeah. pairing him with LaMarcus Aldridge is just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nasty one-two punch. But and he, he's kind of disadvantaged in that it's harder to see and count defense, good defense. And we've talked about this on the show before, too. I mean, he just really is a superlative defensive talent. He's won Defensive Player of the Year awards, you know, as a wing player, and he's certainly deserving of them. So, I mean, yeah, definitely a good cornerstone guy to build around. But at, at this point in his career, no way is he Hall of Fame worthy yet yeah former Rockets head coach Kevin McHale checks in at uh number 44 I almost forgot he was our head coach for like two years <laughs> three <laughs> oh. years uh, he was head coach for a good time was it more than three I mean, years he was fired last year wow it feels like ancient history now at this yeah. point yeah he actually was on uh sports radio 610 this past week discussing James Harden yeah I heard those he didn't have to like very kind words <laughs> no. to describe him um I think he I think he's still got a little bit of remorse not remorse, uh, pettiness, pettiness yeah. toward the Rockets organization. Bitterness. But I can tell you right now, I, I like the D'Antoni system. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but let's go down that list a little bit further. Um, some names that you, uh, you know, might be interested. Uh, Paul Pierce, number 38. Uh, he kind of moved into that list. Um, Allen Iverson, number 34 all time. Is that, is that kind of surprising? Seems a little high to me, but you know what? People love Iverson. I, I was not old enough to watch him play a lot to get to see him live. You know, all those things that I kind of associate with my NBA experience with players I'm familiar with, that was a little bit before me for Allen Iverson. So I don't know that I have a good gauge on his um, on his talent. His cultural impact, I think I get completely. But, uh, but yeah, that does seem a bit high to an Allen Iverson sort to me, who really seemed like um, he set a ceiling for a team's performance just because he was so ball-dominant. And because he was such a scorer and not necessarily a pass first guy or, you know, a guy who made his teammates better, um, you know, you talk about getting to the finals. I don't think there's ever any chance they were going to win there. He was almost holding them back once they were in that position, is my opinion. And again, I'm not an expert by any means, but uh, but that does seem a bit high when you're talking about the greatest players of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Clyde Drexler, former Houston Rocket. Portland he would put Trail himself at number one. U of H Coog, number 30 on the list. Yeah, he would say he's number one. Yeah, that's Probably accurate. <laughs> you no, know, he's he's gone on the record. Um, Sam was it Sam Smith, the guy who wrote the Jordan rules, yeah, wrote yeah. an article recently, and uh, and it was about the uh, 
Dream Team and Drexler basically said, listen, you know, Jordan had good players around him. I didn't for a lot of my career. Like, if you look at us, we're basically comparable players. <laughs> People are, like, are you freaking kidding me? How unself-aware are you? But that's, you know, that's what it takes to be uh, as good as he was, I think. Actually, uh, here's a funny text I just got from one of our listeners. Uh, he, we, we were discussing Carmelo Anthony, and uh, he just said that he bet $20 on Carmelo to win the MVP. That's a dumb bet. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I, mean, I don't I don't know why you throw away your money. I mean, it's a two horse race right now. You almost can't even like list me odds that would make that bet worthwhile. I mean, you know? even if it's like plus twenty thousand, right. I, I don't even think I'd waste the twenty dollars. Right? Yeah. Why? <laughs> twenty dollars. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But uh, moving down the list, uh, Dwayne Wade twenty five, Kevin Durant twenty four, uh, John Stockton, who was a nemesis of the Rockets Ooh. organization in the nineties, uh, checks in at number twenty three. Scotty Pippen at number twenty two. Charles Barkley number twenty. I, I see. I think Pippen's better than Barkley. That's a, that's a weird uh, ordering think, to me. So when I look at the CBS thing, I think a lot of it weighs in championships, like what you did. And not time if you're putting period. Barkley ahead of Pippen. That's fair. Uh, Steph Curry, number nineteen overall. I don't. He's had a great stretch. Yeah, but it's a pretty brief stretch. When you look back at it, all things considered, in terms of like greatness, he really did kind of turn it on about three years ago, and really elevated it about two years ago. So, and he's he's taken a step back because obviously he has guys around him that can carry some right. of that load. When when I look at what he's done the past few years, I kind of want to look at from a baseball perspective. I look at Sandy Koufax. If you look at the last six years of his career with the Dodgers mm-hmm. back in the 1960s, I think he won something like two or three Cy Youngs. Uh, his ERA during that time was something like 1.9. Uh, he he was just phenomenal and he retired at the age of 30 and of course he was inducted in the hall of fame at the age of 35 one of the youngest players actually the youngest player to be inducted in the hall of fame jewish guy too right yeah uh, he he made uh, some headlines uh, during yom kippur from you know sitting out the world series so good on him and he's arguably one of the best left-handed pitchers of all time Uh, but steph curry i think from what he's done in the past few years is very comparable to what sandy kovacs did toward the end of his career but uh I don't necessarily have huge problems with that. Dirk Nowitzki, uh, number 17. Carl Malone, 16. Kevin Garnett, 15. Uh, let's move down further on the list. Hakeem the Dream checks in at number 11. He's your number one. That's just... Uh, that's uh, he's 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 a phenomenal uh, athlete, especially for what he's done for the city of Houston. But uh, Well, also, I mean, it really being... Uh, we talk about both sides of the ball. You know, he, he was uh, their offensive centerpiece or defensive centerpiece, defensive player of the year. I mean, really, MVP. There's nothing that Hakeem couldn't do. And with this really, really uncanny grace that made him amazingly fun to watch. So in a way that, like, Jordan was not always fun to watch you know he was getting hand checked a lot of the time he was getting hit going to the basket it's kind of grit and grind basketball a lot of like mid-range jumpers things like watching Hakeem play even today if you go back and watch the NBA classics they show on you know hardwood ah it's just I mean it's like uh, watching a ballerina perform so there was an article probably about two or three weeks ago I'm not sure if you saw it but it, it suggested that what if you took one player from an NBA team's history and put them on today's roster like what would that look like and so this article said that, okay, the best player in the Rockets organization is Akeem. Yeah. What would he look like in his prime playing with James Harden in that pick and roll? If he had had, okay, so are we transporting him from his uh, prime. 84? Like his prime. His draft, like we take him as a, as a, as a person who grew up in that time period and no, drop no, no. him here? We take him in his prime. Mm-hmm. Not, not when he was drafted, but his prime, so let's say like late I'm, 80s I'm or early 90s. If in high school, did he get like the nutrition that we now have? Did he get the, the extra training from, from outside trainers? Did he Article didn't you? go to that, but let's just say that we have him in his prime. Mm-hmm. Like just time hop him, I guess, if you will. Okay. From the late 1980s, early 1990s on today's roster. 
how dangerous would this team be? Well, I mean, that's the thing about Hakeem is that I think his game translates better than a lot of players from eras past. He really, um, he would be fine if you took him, you know, uh, stepped into a time machine in 1984 when he's drafted and you, you bring him forward to now. I think he would adjust pretty quickly and pretty well. Um, thinking on the fly was always one of his strengths. You know, those blocks were very creative. He, he was able to keep blocks and bounds even and get possession back. I mean, he just was a very cerebral, cerebral player in addition to being a very athletic one. So I think his game would survive. Now, if you put him in today's world as like a, as like a baby Hakeem Olajuwon or Akeem, he's, too, he's too undersized. Oh, no, I don't think so. He didn't have the strength that like, you know... I don't know the way the but game. wouldn't he have? That's what I'm saying. Like if, if he'd had trainers uh, highlighted on him, telling him you're going to get drafted here or you're going to get recruited here, like in all these uh, pressures and all these uh, aids that kids have these days, I think that what he could have been is just like almost orgasmic to even consider. I mean, it's like he could be the greatest athlete we've ever seen. Yeah. Well, I love Hakeem. I mean, we, you shouldn't have got me started on Hakeem Elijah. He, he's tell. the best player tell. ever to play in the NBA. I, I think there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Michael Jordan. Is a close second, but, uh, but that's let's just move down the list a little bit. Uh, yeah. Tim Duncan, a guy that uh, we are very familiar with, retired uh-huh. this past year, checks in at number seven. Uh, and let's move on to the top five. Kareem at number five. Number four, Magic. Number three, Wilt. Number two, LeBron. And, uh, you know, kind of taking off like a, a plane from the free throw line is, you know, what I'm thinking of is uh, Michael Jordan checks in at number one. Yeah. Any issues with those? Well, again, I personally don't think Michael Jordan's the best player I've ever played. I think it's Akeem, but uh, I'm, I'm heavily biased. Uh, obviously, I watched a lot more Akeem than I did of Michael. So you basically got to put Michael at number one. There's like this unwritten rule in the sport of basketball that it's like heresy to say anyone else there. Um, so if you look, I'm looking at Bill Simmons' Hall of Fame pyramid, you know, yeah. basketball book pyramid, Michael Jordan. For number two, he goes Bill Russell. Where, where is Bill Russell on this list? Uh, I believe he's in the, I think he fell off, actually. No, that can't be. I, you know, I he's actually not closed on out the, the window. Freaking list. He's not. Yeah, that's crazy. No, here he's here. He's six. He's six. Okay. So I, <laughs> I, I overlooked lose him. it. So I went from Tim Duncan to the top five, right. and, I, and then I closed out the tab. So that, I, that's my fault. You almost have to put Bill Russell higher than six. I think. I mean, the, the most, the winningest like player of all time. He's a coach as well. One as a coach. I mean, his his resume is impeccable, and I understand. Obviously, Bill Simmons is a Boston homer. That's why he's rated as high as he is. But to put him down at six behind Kareem, behind Magic behind Wilt, you know, like, I, I don't know. I think that Bill Russell's career was uh, close enough to those eras and comparable enough that I think you put Bill Russell ahead of them. So there's some weirdness here. A lot of it's political, I think. A lot of it's just kind of, you know, hindsight and, and some, you know, personal biases and things right. like that. But, uh, but I mean, all the right names are here. I didn't see any egregious, like, oversights or guys that, you know, should have been. Just a couple of weird things here. Rick Barry at 39. I think Rick Barry's better than the 40th player and, you know, 40th best player in NBA history, but he just didn't get the credit he deserves. So fairly solid list. Let's just uh, do it. They're fun to talk. No, yeah. They're fun to discuss. But uh, another item that's really been fun to discuss here in Houston this past week has been the quarterback situation for the Texans. Uh, I don't don't think fans are too high on the prospects of Brock Osweiler heading into next season. Of course, you've got the, what, $16 million uh, guaranteed money going to him. But Tony Romo, as reported by Ed Werder, uh, is expecting a release not a trade, right? and apparently Romo believes that he can start as a quarterback for two to three more seasons. One, can he do it for the league minimum? The one, minimum. can he do this, like yeah. period? Can he actually be healthy for those two to three seasons? Or even one? 
And secondly, is he a realistic option for the Texans? Uh, everything I've heard is said he's absolutely not a realistic option for the Texans. So I need to go look at the salary cap situation and figure things out. But I mean, when you're struggling to keep guys like AJ Boye and like so forth and so on, I just don't think that you have a lot of cap space there to go blow on a veteran quarterback from another team. You know, that, but here's that his the deal: want. the window right now is in its prime. I mean, you've got JJ Wad who has had health issues this last year. You don't know what his return is going to look like with the back. The defense is playing at, you know, a very high caliber. Of course, you have A.J. Boye, who kind of emerged on the scene this year and is going to get paid this year, whether he ends up with the Texans, Ah. whether he gets a franchise tag, or whether he goes somewhere else. They need to get rid of the freaking franchise tag, man. It's just a way to alienate players. I would let Boye walk if it meant that I could get Romo. Yeah, I mean, it's a more valuable position, honestly. I, if, if that were the difference, I'd have to make the same decision, I think, myself. But I don't, I don't trust in his, um, in his body, his age. That's what concerns me as well. Uh, he also just has a face I don't enjoy, I don't like. Like, when he talks, he seems like a totally <laughs> nice guy. I'm sure everyone in his family loves me, does great things, charity, all that stuff. But I look at him, I just go, oh, God, I can't stand that guy. Okay, so if you don't bring Romo to the Texans, if you know Romo ends up somewhere next year, let's say the Jets or yeah. something like that, Who's your quarterback next year? Brock Osweiler, man. You, There's you a lot of room on this bandwagon right now. It is is a virtually empty bandwagon of, of it's, people. It's, I think, think you're the only person I on think that bandwagon. So. so I'm like the, what is it, when you check it on Foursquare, you're like the mayor of something. I'm like the mayor of this bandwagon. I'm the only you're one that probably thinks, the president because I don't know that anyone else checks in on the Brock Osweiler fan President club. and CEO, man. I, I wish some All other right. people start paying some dues. All right. Well, uh, Sean Pendergast, who's a guy that we've had on the show uh, several times, has been outlining, I guess, a five-point plan uh, you know, this past week on what the Texans should do. And it suggests that one, the Texans should get Romo and they should, you know, work out the salary where it's kind of backloaded. It's, it's the salary is similar to what we've seen a few years ago with like a Colin Kaepernick's contract right. where it's performance driven. You cut Osweiler on June 1st, whenever you're able to cut him, uh, Savage is your backup. And then you draft a guy like Pat Mahomes out of Texas tech as your, quarterback of the future in either the late first round or early second round. I don't mind that strategy because I think what we saw from Savage is that he's more of an effective game manager than what we saw from Brock Osweiler. Sure. And that's really all you need from this. If the defense plays at such a high level as they did last year, if they can do that and replicate that in 2017, you don't need a quarterback putting up 300 yards each game you just need the quarterback not to throw two or three interceptions yeah that'd be nice wouldn't it and, but <laughs> I, I don't know i'm really intrigued how much do prospects. we owe brock if, if we let him go whatever it was june 1st it's, whatever it's, it is he's it's 60 million guaranteed i think the cap hit would be something like i think they can defer part of it and i think the cap hits like 14 million do you think rick smith ever in like his darkest drunkest moments goes you know i know a guy it would only cost me fifty thousand dollars to have brock osweiler killed i you don't know? think rick smith has ever thought that you don't think so no, and oh, as, I think it's a, I think it's like a daily debate. As the him. president and CEO of the Brock Osweiler fan club, are are you? How, how do you even come up with that? Well, listen, you know we're not we're not who we are in our darkest moments. I'm not saying that's Rick Smith. <laughs> He's not a killer, you know, that I know of. But I guarantee you that he has weighed that option given being tied to this contract and the performance of his quote unquote star quarterback last season. I mean, surely it has occurred to him before. But I'm just going to tell you, Rick. I know you listen. Don't do it, man. Brock has it in him. I can see it in his eyes, in his pretty beautiful eyes, 
that he is a hard worker and he's going to turn this thing around. You guys heard <laughs> it here first. That's a guarantee from Kevin Cook that Brock Osweiler will be an average or above average starting quarterback next season. I think even average is a stretch. I mean, he was the worst quarterback. Oh, yeah. Average would be NFL. an enormous improvement. I, trust me, I get that. I mean, out of 32 starting quarterbacks, he was ranked probably number 31, 32, depending on where you look. And so to, for him to move up to that 24 to 16 range. You know. I would love to see that in Sure. Don't get me wrong. That's all it would take, really, to be a championship contender. And I, I, I think so, too. Super but, Bowl. you know, I, I think this is actually a natural segue. You just mentioned murder, which is something that we don't really discuss on the show a lot. But I know. I keep saying we need to talk uh, more about it. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, uh, this past week, came, I, I know you don't really keep up with, uh, you know, foreign affairs a lot because of your uh, duties with high school sports here in, in, in Houston. I don't know if that's... I didn't mean that to come. I'm just a lazy jerk, is what it is. I mean, you 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 were very diplomatic about it, but you're right. I don't have enough interest in the world around. But uh, Kim Jong Un, his uh, he's the uh, the dictator, if you will, for uh, North Korea. I will. Um, he, he treats his people, you know, like terribly, but not anyways, just terribly, his, but also like fantastically. Like, well, that's, what, that's lies, what I'll tell but, you. Yeah, that's what I'll tell you. Yeah. I mean, he he's all about that fake news, but. Uh, uh, actually, I think he's had like his first round of golf. He had something like eighteen hole in ones or something right. like that. Yeah. So he, he's <laughs> probably one of the greatest golfers of our generation. But uh, his brother-in-law assassinated. That's what I heard. And did you hear that there were two women involved? And did you yes. hear like the story behind it? I well, okay. When you ask me if I've heard things, obviously you're referring to the Google document that we use to plan the show. And uh, I was, I did see. You the don't have headline. to. You don't have to like reveal the peek behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, no. People <laughs> love peeking behind the curtains. Uh, it's a pretty shallow peek here, but uh, but yeah, I, I have seen the headline. I find it hard to believe. Recap it for me. So, I guess I, I don't know exactly where they were, but apparently he was poisoned. And I guess prank shows. With like a super soaker, it sounds like. I don't, I don't, I don't know they, all the details. No, that's 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 spicy. You know, Sean Spicer. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I guess what happened? I, I think there's in, in like Southeast Asia uh, TV shows, like prank shows. Like right. you know, we used They're to big. have we used to have punked here with Ashton Kutcher back in the early 2000s. I'll still watch punk. Those were funny shows, and I guess those are still popular in Southeast Asia. And so this, I, I guess, this woman who apparently had taken part of several pranks. Uh, the last target was, I guess, Kim Jong Un's brother-in-law, Kim Jong Nam. Is that right? Yeah, and uh, she killed him. Yep, sure. And enough. she thought it was part of a prank yeah. on TV. And so I, I wonder if that's actually truth, or if that's just the cover story. But here's the deal: coming from the Guardian, which is a pretty reputable source. Yeah, but I think Kim Jong Un had his brother-in-law killed. Oh, I mean that that happened. He's okay. killed so many people within yeah. his family high-ranking officials in North Korea. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking from a political perspective, I, I think North Korea is and So these very were just scapegoats? I think so. Oh, wow. Why would he even need that? Why not make it look like an accident? Why all the bizarre rigmarole with the you know comedy prank show and all that stuff? I have no idea. To, to, uh, to, to give a little background, in this article from, uh, from The Guardian, the woman that did kill him, I guess sprayed him with like a water bottle or a super soaker or something of that sort. Um, she did it to several people, was paid for each of them, and then did it to Kim Jong-nam, and it was poisoned, and he died. <laughs> she believed, according to this article, the entire time that she was part of a prank show, which is, um, it's almost meta, because it was a prank. Like right. Prank, you're not pranking, you killed someone. I hope that it is true, and I hope that more comes out about it, because this is one of the most fascinating stories I've ever encountered in my entire... I have so many questions. Yeah, it's... I don't... I, I get to tell you from like my perspective when looking at this. When I when I first saw this, I was like, oh, great, is this a, is this a cue for Kim Jong-un to do something crazy like 
test more missiles. I mean, of course, last like crazier week, than killing his brother. Well, I mean, uh, of course, last week when Prime Minister Abe uh, was in the United States and Mar-a-Lago in Florida, uh, North Korea did test a few ballistic missiles. Yeah. Um, you know, they weren't armed with anything, but they tested them uh, essentially into the Japanese Sea, I believe. And uh, to me, that's a really frightening situation, especially to see what Trump, who I, I'm not sure is, I'm putting this nicely, is qualified from a foreign policy perspective to handle these sort of issues. Um, so I think Iran and North Korea are going to be very interesting to watch. Is North uh, Korea capable of building anything? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I should be worried. So they've tested nuclear weapons multiple times, like nuclear bombs on like underground. Uh, oh, and they've worked. Yeah. I mean, okay. I think the issue is they don't have a delivery mechanism for them. They've got like short range missiles, you know, that could potentially be an issue for like Seoul. Uh, the missiles are working on right now can potentially reach uh, Tokyo, which is kind of frightening uh, potentially guam, fortunately i don't live there so. potentially guam where you have uh, a large u.s military uh base uh the fear is that you know if left unchecked and uh you know through s- support from you know iran that they could accelerate that missile program and potentially develop something to reach the west coast and here's a problem with north korea kim jong-un is batshit crazy oh yeah totally and so He's a guy and crazy like a fox, though. He's a guy that would it would not shock me if he were to do something suicidal like that and try to launch a weapon. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that happen in the next five to ten years. Well, fortunately, there's a lot of strong, intelligent, um, principled leadership at the top of this country. So, you know, right. I, I know that we're defended and we're taken care of. No, yeah. this could not be more terrifying. <laughs> I, I cannot. I mean, I was just looking at a picture of Trump going, how how did this become my world? How am I seeing Trump all the time? Well, he's the freaking president. Yeah. It makes me sick. Yeah. I I think there are betting odds right now. I think it's 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 four to one that he's not going to finish his first year in office. Interesting where, where, where are you putting your money if you had to? Go into your head. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've stated several times on this show that I don't believe that he's going to finish his first term. I'm going to leave it at that. So many ways he could be impeached. Uh, he clearly is already tired of all the scrutiny and the pressure. And There, the- was, a, there was actually an article, um, I believe it was The Economist, uh, discussing that he was sort of stir-crazy in the White House because when he's you know in his penthouse in New York City, he can go somewhere for lunch. He can yeah. go out on the streets. Masturbate to pornography. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, just do but Trump things. He, he can't do anything in Washington, D.C. without you know the Secret Service being by his side. And I, I, I think that... I'm not sure that he's necessarily enjoying the role. I think he loves the power. Yeah. He loves having the footballs carried behind him when he gets on Air Force One. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think that he's going to make it the full term. Yeah. Well, whether by his own volition, stepping down or, or being impeached, I mean, I certainly would hope that that's the case. As, as much as Pence is a monster as well, at least he's... He's, he's a diplomat. Yeah, exactly. Trump, not so much. But... Um, you know, switching gears to kind of a more. By the way, if you voted for Trump, I'm willing to put it behind us. If you're a listener and you voted for Trump, let's let bygones be bygones. I'm through hating you. I'm ready to be friends again. I like that. Yeah. I think a lot of our listeners are going to like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I got nothing against you. I hate the guy. I'm always going to hate the guy because he's freaking terrible. But, but let's I, let's let's actually work to make this country good yeah. to all people. I think that's the most important thing. But let's move on to a lighter political subject. Uh, here in Texas, uh, you mm-hmm. cover, a lot of people know that you work for uh, the Psych Creek Mirror, uh, part of the uh, Houston Chronicles community newspaper section. Um, there was actually a congressman 
from yeah. your district yep. who introduced legislation uh, this past week against Texans using the Chilean flag emoji. Now, it's going to sound weird, but withhold judgment until you've heard the whole story. Tell us the whole story. Well, basically, uh, there is a flag emoji, in this case, the Chilean flag Which emoji. looks a little bit similar to the Texas flag. Yeah, somewhat. Uh, this is House Concurrent Resolution 75, introduced by uh, uh, Tom o- Oliverson? Sounds right. Oliverson? It's a stupid name, anyway. He's, but. he's probably a listener, so Tom, if you just call <laughs> us right now and correct <laughs> us, okay? Yeah, you can reach out to some curious cat as well if you want to ask us an anonymous question. But uh, he basically said, don't use the flag emoji of the Republic of Chile when referring to the Texas flag, right? Most, it basically complains that, like, why doesn't Texas have a flag in this thing? I think there's a Texas flag you can buy for, like, $1.99 as an add-on. There is an app. It's called Texmoji. I believe it costs $0.99. Texmoji. Yeah, it's called Texas. Uh, it, it's, like, $0.99 or $1.99, but it has, like, Whataburger emojis. It Great. has, like, Taco Bell emojis. Taco Bell's not Texas. Yeah, but, I mean... Maybe it was Taco Cabana, which I think is... That is Texas. That, yeah, that is Texas. Much so. But uh, the Whataburger emojis are great. Yeah. Um, so if you want to pay like 99 cents, check it out. I, I downloaded the app when it first came out because I thought it was going to be amazing, and it's trash. <laughs> so. <laughs> I blew all my uh, emoji money on uh, on Kim Kardashian's when it came out, <laughs> so I'm, I'm still a little bit behind there. But anyway, he's basically suggesting through the legislature that until Texas is given a, a Lone Star flag emoji that we should not use the Chilean flag to text out um, things about Texas. Which, how do you monitor that? More I mean, importantly, iMessage, how do you sit down at I, your iMessage, desk? iMessage is encrypted. Right. H- how do you monitor and prosecute somebody for that, or, it, or even reprimand them? It doesn't make any sense at all. Do you, like, self-report? Like, if you send me a Chilean <laughs> flag... It's like you, insider trading? Yeah, you know, do, do you, like, screen cap and send it to your local congressman? Like, uh, how does I that work? I just did this. <laughs> no, I, what it basically says is that this guy does not have enough to do. You guys need to call him. Tom Oliverson... From Cyprus, he's a uh, state representative. Call him about something you care about, because this guy needs more stuff to work on, clearly. All right, so that kind of, you know, one of my favorite things in high school was to, maybe it was in high school, maybe it was like Spades. junior high. Spades, yes, absolutely. Playing poker also poker. in economics, that was a lot of fun. Totally. But uh, yeah, we gambled in high school. So. Yeah. Poker's not gambling. Let's not, let's not, it's, it's, you know, it's a strategy game. Painting but, with a broad brush there. But. Uh, it was always to look at like the dumb laws yeah. that you would see throughout the country. And For so sure. I, I think this would classify probably as a dumb law. So let's go ahead and read some of the dumb laws that actually exist in the state of Texas. Um, here's one that I thought was kind of funny. Um, it is illegal to milk another person's cow. I mean, I, I'm sorry for milking your cow a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm glad that you didn't go to the authorities. You joke, but that makes perfect sense to me. If I lived in a world where cows were You important, don't want people trespassing. No, I don't yeah. even want them touching my cows, frankly. All right, what about this one? Mm. A recently passed anti-crime law requires criminals to give their victims 24 hours notice, either orally or in writing, and to explain the nature of the crime to be committed. I don't hate that because if it works even one time, then it's worth it, right? Hey, uh, just to let you know, I'm going to rob your house tomorrow night, 11 o'clock. Someone who's overthinking, who's outsmarting themselves, going like, okay, I know how to do this. Uh, I don't know. Just a flyer, a shot in the dark. If it works once, it's hilarious. If not, no harm done. Yeah, so we are the Weekly Brew Podcast, so uh, we've indulged in a few beers uh, while recording. Uh, Not you, Kevin, but myself and Jeremy. Um, But uh, here's one that I thought was interesting. Uh, The entire Encyclopedia Britannica is banned in Texas because it contains a formula for making beer at home. Wow. 
there's so many other reasons it could be banned, though, like evolution or uh, teaching <laughs> us things about sex on our bodies. I mean, like, you know, th there's Texas is exactly the kind of place where that would happen. Does not shock me to hear that. Um, but I, my mom owned an Encyclopedia Britannica when I was growing up. I was homeschooled. We used yeah, it a lot. Yeah. We were we were outlaws. <laughs> Here's another beer related one. It is illegal to take more than three sips of beer at a time while standing. So if you're at a bar, make sure that you're sitting down if you're chugging a beer. Yeah. I think that's just like a, a, a safety. And honestly, if you've taken three sips, you can just sort of crouch to the ground so that your butt touches the floor and then you're good legally. Or you could do squats. Yeah. You know, yeah. I recommend doing that. The but obvious solution. Here's another one that I'm kind of curious about. And obviously some of these more arcane laws were created by someone doing something dumb and are obviously like target somebody. But how about this one? It is illegal for one to shoot a buffalo from the second story of a hotel. That was a big problem. I don't know how much you remember about <laughs> like the westward expansion, manifest destiny, all that nonsense. But uh, we slaughtered a lot of buffalo. I mean, they were they were stacked like, you know, 40 feet high next to the train tracks and things like that. So, I mean, I, I get that they, they were hunted nearly to extinction by crazy people who just, you know, uh, no respect for the land and so forth. So I, I'm OK with that one. I think I think you keep that one on the books, honestly. <laughs> all right. How about this one? Bicycles must be operated at a reasonable speed. That's a law. That's a it law. doesn't say anything. Like, what's an unreasonable speed for a bicycle? I mean, if you're Tour de France, you're going, what, 30 miles an hour? If you're going downhill, maybe 40, 45. And what if you go 50 miles an hour? That's not even unreasonable. You know, it's like Sammy Hagar said he, he can't drive 55. He can't. So I, I, I think if guy. you're going under 55, he can't drive at all. He's completely fried. <laughs> he can barely speak English. Probably accurate, but uh, I don't know. It's always fun to look at those arcane laws. But we have a lot of them. I mean, Texas is not a great place to be in terms of uh, having a modern um, uh, set of laws, you know, that apply to now. <laughs> but it this happens in you know every state. I it mean, does. Uh, you know, there, I think I think in, in Florida, it's actually illegal to well, Florida's the worst. It's illegal to molest a butterfly under a street lamp. Molest? Yes. Couldn't you just say it's illegal to molest a butterfly? Full stop. You should be able to, but for some reason, it's under a street lamp. So that means somebody must have tried to do that, you know, 100 years ago. And what was the damage that was done? I guess <laughs> I, it's like I, a I chaos even theory, like a hurricane somewhere else, right? If you mess with the butterfly here, it's going to, I don't know, man, it's crazy. But yeah. Florida is yeah. the worst for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've actually alluded to the fact that you hate Florida uh, on this podcast. But I don't even really hate Florida. I've been there a lot. I always hate being there. I often feel more like sympathy or pity when I'm there because you go into these restaurants that like appear to be, you know, uh, upper scale kind of like nicer places and people just don't have shirts. They just have <laughs> overalls on and no shoes. It's like living in the world of Pippi Longstocking, honestly. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, two final subjects on episode 82 of the podcast. And these are both going to be journalistic centered uh the atlantic monthly um which i've been reading for probably about a decade now <laughs> no serious like <laughs> face i, I subscribed when i was in high school now. uh also the economist yes yeah, so i was gonna bring it back to the economist because you totally name dropped that earlier yeah, yeah i know yeah, you've been yeah. reading the economist since you were in like 10th grade i get it yeah kind of brushing dirt yes, off my shoulders right are. now <laughs> uh but mark zuckerberg kind of released a, a blueprint for uh journalism uh this past week on uh, his facebook profile page and uh, essentially what it says is that Facebook wants to become more of a media company. And yeah. if you are, are an owner of Facebook stock right now, I mean, kudos to you. I mean, you are breaking in the dough. I mean, I think it's only going to continue to grow. I think a lot of people were narrow-minded when they uh, initiated their IPO a few years ago thinking that it was just a social media company, just like you know Twitter or just like MySpace, right. when it's not. I mean, they are specifically there for advertising, specifically there for growing their brand. They are doing a phenomenal job. Do you think this was all part of the plan from the beginning? No, or do you think he's, he's kind of been freestyling? I think he's freestyling. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think that goes to show that he's surrounded himself with brilliant people. Sure. 
Um, it would be almost too scary if he had planned this out from the get-go based on oh what I remember from Facebook back when we had to be in college to have an account. Yeah, you had to have a .edu email yeah. address back in like 2005 when we you know, were freshmen in college. Uh, and then it was a big deal when they and allowed... it was hi- raunchy on there. No parents? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I remember when they uh, finally allowed like high school kids to get on in like 2006 and everyone was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And when our parents got on in like 2007, it was like, this, <laughs> this thing's going downhill fast. <laughs> but now it's it's you know a multi-billion dollar right. company. But turns out when you bring the parents in, that's when the money comes Yeah, in. exactly. Uh, that's that's also where fake news comes in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, you know, my grandfather's probably listening right now. And Not just, all parents. Uh, he, he loves, you know, those types of conspiracy theories and Facebook is a place for him. So, but anyways, uh, the Atlantic Monthly had an article uh, suggesting that Zuckerberg is destroying journalism. And, and part of the reason why is because of ads, digital ads. That's that's a way that a lot of newspapers have made money historically is yeah. through advertisements. And we look back and they're in the 1990s when Craigslist was founded. And this is what the article states. That was kind of the first death blow to newspapers because a lot of people death blow. A lot of people, you know, put out classified ads. Businesses put out ads. Mm-hmm. And then when Craigslist came around, they just went online and did it. Yeah. And instead of paying, you know, Apple Wazoo for, you know, it's the, like a dollar Chronicle. Yeah. To bump it up to the top. You know, my, my newspaper, we still have uh, classifieds. It, it's mind boggling. I, I, I don't know who looks at them. All right. I'm surely nobody. It, it's got to be some sort of like code or something like that. Like, oh, I'm going to leave you some sort of like the Russians are communicating with their like it could uh, be. embedded spies. It could be because <laughs> nobody's going to look at it and think of that. That would make a lot more sense. But the article goes on to talk about how uh, Facebook, you know, wanting to become more of a media company and then also becoming an advertising agency, essentially mm-hmm. how that's continuing to hurt print journalism, digital journalism. Yeah. And there's a statistic in there that says that 85% of all digital ads come from Facebook or Google. Yeah. That's insane. That is insane. So that means 15% has to go to the other media companies. So Houston Chronicle, Austin American Statesman, Dallas Morning News. Is Facebook going to finally drop that nail into journalism? Or how how does... I how think, does your role kind of adapt to that? I think the business model of journalism is what's dying. I don't think that there's ever going to be a point in time in human history where people don't want to write about current events, don't want to write about sports, don't want to write about people. And the way that we as journalists do, and I say we, I'm a sports journalist. I consider myself a journalist. Not all By journalists. By definition, you are. Yeah, I, it's in the name, right? So I, I, you know, I wouldn't go toe to toe with somebody who's like covering, you know, uh, the White House or anything. But but you know, I'm in the I'm in the thank industry. God. Yeah, I'll, I also would not want that crap job either right now. But but no, so I, I don't think. That I don't know. I, I would honestly love to see you sitting in the White House correspondence room and you going head to head with Spicer. Yeah, over think, under on you, how long I get thrown out. I was going to say like thirty seconds. Yeah, but it, it would be comical. Something about me just really pisses people off, including some of our listeners, as we've noticed. Yeah, the last couple we'll, we'll get weeks, to that but. in a few minutes. But uh, I, I think that's going to be an interesting narrative to follow mm-hmm. within the next few years to see what Facebook does, whether they you know branch out into like the you know the Facebook Live like mm-hmm. video news stream, or if they continue to have like their own journalism wing. I think the future is kind of like, and I know I'm obsessed with Bill Simmons, and you know you can say what you want about it, Freudian, whatever. I love Bill Simmons and his model. Like the Ringer, I think is the future of news. See, and I disagree. Outlets, I disagree, you? and I, I think podcasting, yes. I think videos, yes. People don't want to read 2,500 word pieces. I do. The number that's there's a there's a new. Um, you're familiar with Politico, right? Yeah. Okay, so there was a spinoff. Mike Allen, who was one of the founders of Politico, uh, had a spinoff. Of probably debuted probably, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. It's a company called Axios, essentially the same model as um, Politico, except they are creating content that is short. Yeah. It's content that is 200 words. So yeah. it's everything you need to know right then. 
And I think that's the model yeah. because people have such, in, in the digital age, people have attention spans that are, you know, extremely short. And so that's, you know, if you're listening right now, what, 46 minutes into this podcast, we salute you for having the attention span to uh, listen. And we hope that we are being engaging enough. But 2,500 words, I, I enjoy reading those. Yeah. But I also want to get my news quick. Right. That's why I like Twitter, 140 characters mm-hmm. plus. And that's why I, I go to Twitter for news, like hard news, facts, things that I need to keep abreast of. And then for analysis, that's when I go to read stuff. And I actually don't like The Ringer in that their pieces are much shorter than Grantland pieces. That was a very right. conscious, deliberate editorial choice when they moved. And I don't care for that as much. I love when the writers have a little more freedom, a little more space to work things out. But uh, but I, but I, that's why I say I think The Ringer is kind of like the future. Like They are consciously making them shorter, more accessible. You have the ability to highlight yourself through medium. Uh, they're covering a wide range of topics. Topics. They have really talented young writers. They do. Who are not, uh, they do. Expensive necessarily, you know. Like they're not lifelong established Pulitzer winning types. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the model in my mind. And and I don't know how much money the Ringer's making. I would love to to see their financials. But if that is a viable option, that's kind of what I see newspapers eventually gravitating towards. And there's going to be a lot of shedding of assets and, and you know printing distribution, all these offices and cubicles. I work from home most of the time. I think that's also the future of journalism. Well, it's an interesting point that you just mentioned the uh, shedding of assets, and that, that's a natural segue to our uh, you know final topic of the day. I'm killing it with yeah, natural you, you really are. Uh, Sports Illustrated is uh, actually cutting its frequency by seven issues in 2017, uh, dropping from 45 issues down to 38, and uh, the cut in frequency will save mailing and production costs, obviously. Uh, and, and there, Do you pay less for a yearly subscription? Uh, probably not. Wow. Uh, a spokesperson from Sports Illustrated said that uh, we have adjusted the frequency to create more double issues around the times of the year when sports are the most popular, mm. pointing to the Super Bowl and NFL preview issues as an example. Uh, the company also announced this week that it is teaming up with Jerry Bruckheimer's TV company, JPTV, to produce a series, Sports Illustrated True Crime. Great. So uh, I don't know. It's kind of sad because Sports Illustrated was always, you know, once a week. Uh, you loved looking at the brilliant photography. I mean, when I remember at Baylor when we had a, a Sports Illustrated photographer come mm-hmm. to one of the big games. I think we were playing like Texas or something like that. It was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, just that you knew that you were going to get a nice spread in Sports Illustrated. It uh, is journalism. the number one magazine for any waiting room or, or oh, lobby yeah. or office. Like that's the first thing I gravitate towards. It's the best looking, best written piece there. But I don't hate it because honestly, uh, how much does it matter how often they put out a magazine? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I used to subscribe to Sports Illustrated back when I was in high school, and now I don't. I mean, it, I, I like what SI has done with new platforms like Monday Morning Quarterback. I, I think that's the way of the future. But yep. it, 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 to me, it just goes on to further say that print journalism isn't what it, it, it isn't what it used to be and companies have to adapt to it they have to make adjustments in their business model in order to succeed right but and so, there will always be a market for some sort of print but it's very very small again yeah. you're talking about like you know things to put in, in waiting rooms and lobbies and things like yeah, that yeah I, so. I, I don't think it's like economically efficient to no. put kindles and ipads no. in the waiting room for people Sadly, to it's use not yet. yeah but uh it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what journalism looks like in the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, I just even, I even think it's five years. much more like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, kind of doing things yourself, loose conglomerates of yeah. people that are have similar interests and coverage areas and things like that. I think they'll happen organically. I mean, I think that we're moving away from the ability of corporations to control these, uh, these means of, of distribution because there's just not as much money in it anymore. So without the money, you don't have the corporations. I don't know. I kind of like, I'm optimistic about the future of journalism. Yeah, and one of the things, one of the places that a lot of people get you know their news from now is of course facebook twitter instagram yeah. and uh what better way to get news updates from us yeah 
than checking out our social media platforms. Just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, occasionally YouTube if you want to go back and dig into the uh, the further archives. I feel like we can't really call it news. It's more like analysis. Analysis, yeah, commentary. That's really more what we do. We'll we don't break it. news we'll once a week. We'll, we'll take it. We've actually had news to break before. That is true. But we've decided to hold off uh, for ethical reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Curious Cat is uh, something that we talked about on the show two or three weeks ago. Yep. Uh, tell us about it. I, I I guess you had some commentary and feedback. Yeah. So I uh, I, I got like a really long, uh, it was like four paragraphs um, about why I was terrible at my job uh, at being a co-host or whatever. And someone said they wanted to, what was that? Don't worry about it. People can't see you mime. That's you know, that's just for me, obviously. But yeah, he said uh, whenever he hears my voice, he wants to uh, jerk the wheel into a bridge abutment and kill himself. <laughs> and uh, it would be charming and funny, except that it's a line from the movie Tommy Boy, like lifted verbatim. But uh, just a lot of complaining, so I just deleted it. It wasn't a question; it was a comment or a confession or whatever. Uh, so the same commenter came back and started asking more questions. We've been having quite a back and forth. So it's anonymous. I have no idea who it is. But um, the most recent one, uh, you know hoping that I would take the criticism to heart, uh, not wing it as much, you know? So I prepped a lot this week. You know, I spent a lot of time in prayer and reflection and thought, getting ready for this week. I, have, I think if I, was, if I was to grade your performance this week, I'd probably give you a B plus. Would you really? Yeah. I feel bad now. I don't deserve a B plus. <laughs> I mean, that, that's being generous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Right, we're on the same page. We don't need to give me an actual grade here. <laughs> But uh, he says, I get you do this part-time, but for a podcast that tells me to sit back, relax, and be informed, it seems like you could practice what you preach and inform yourself. You know what? Was, was there a specific reference to commentary on, on why that was? Oh, Wes Welker, because I was referring to an article okay. uh, wherein he said he might return to play football, or as you were referring to an article that said he might uh, coach football. Which he on... is now the coach of the Texans. Exactly right. So we were having two different conversations, essentially, yeah. uh, during that little piece it's, there. It's like two trains passing... On the rail line, in which, you know, in Texas, if you pass on the rail line, you actually have to come to a complete stop That's until true. both trains move. Yeah, so you're done forever, <laughs> essentially. That's another dumb law. But, uh, but so, yeah, you know, a little miscommunication there. I don't really feel that bad about it, to be honest. He, he, he could drive for hours, and I wouldn't feel that bad about <laughs> it. But at the same time, I despise this guy. I think he has nothing better to do, or she has nothing better. It's you, isn't it? No, it's not me. Okay. All right. <laughs> I thought I'd have you there. but uh, Dude, but, I, I would tell you if you sucked. In fact, I have before. <laughs> you, have, you absolutely That's have That's why we created this Google Doc. And I appreciate it. <laughs> But you know what? I've come around. I don't like this guy. I wouldn't want to have a beer with this guy or a coffee with this guy. But, uh, you know, I, I'm going to take it to heart. Right. I'm gonna so what other do we, have, do we have any other uh, comments or questions on there? Which Houston professional sports team, not counting soccer, I don't know why we're not counting soccer, wins a championship first? Ooh. It's a classic. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I, I think we've probably touched on it on the show before. We asked Sean Pendergast when he was on. I got to go with the Astros. Mm -hmm. I think the Astros are, okay, Texans defense there, yes. Unless they can get a quarterback. I can't put them in Brock, the category to Brock, Brock, knock off Brock, the Patriots. Brock, Brock, Stop with the Brock MVP, Osweiler. MVP. MVP candidates. Yeah. James Harden. I, I think that they have a lot of talent. I don't think that they can get past the Warriors right now. Maybe they can do it next year, yeah. year after, if they make some moves in the offseason. The Astros, they have probably one of the best offenses in the entire American League right now. Yeah. The issue that I have with the, the Astros right now is their pitching staff. I mean, you know, McCullers had injury issues last mm -hmm. year. I think he's probably got the most talent of anyone on that team. And that's even over Dallas Keuchel, who's now, got Keuchel a Keuchel was hurt, right? Keuchel was hurt, didn't tell people. And then I think you've got a lot of young We speculated talent. that. I mean, we just, something yeah. looked wrong with him. We, we did. I mean, several times on the show. Um, 
I think you've got like guys like Musgrove that have a lot of talent that could potentially help you. But I think the Astros are going to have to make some sort of move before the trade deadline in order to compete and win a championship and uh, potentially win the American League this year. But we'll actually have more on the Astros uh, here in the next few weeks as Hunter Atkins, who we mentioned at the top of the show, is actually heading to uh, West Palm Beach, Florida to cover uh, the Astros during spring training. So he'll be uh, joining us uh, via the phone uh, a few times during that uh, spring training as we gear up for uh, regular season. But Kevin, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, of those three teams, who wins the title first? Yeah, I think there's no question. I know nothing about baseball. I don't watch a lot of baseball. You know, it's the, the thing I'm least plugged into. I should be covering baseball for my job right now. I need to go actually do some of that. Well, but high school baseball just started, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, started. I think they did scrimmages last week and then actual competitive. Yeah, college games. baseball actually started this week as well. Uh, oh. Baylor went 3-0. I believe uh, U of H went 3-0 uh, as well. Good. So uh, Rice split the season series against Texas, which is uh, a, a pretty good uh deal on the road so college baseball is back yep. a lot of talent in the state of texas this year yeah so i'm gonna I, my, that's my new year's resolution now it's not new year's at the moment i think it's february you if can, i'm not you mistaken can do a resolution whenever you want exactly right so this is my february resolution i'm gonna get more into baseball this year i'm gonna read some books i'm gonna do some actual but yeah even knowing nothing about baseball i'd have to say astros would definitely be the the you know chalk pick for sure but you know depending on what happens here before thursday with the trade deadline you might see the Rockets uh, bump and their way up that upsets list. Upsets happen bit. as well. I mean, we saw last year Oklahoma City push Golden State to the brink. Yep. We've seen the Rockets play well in Golden State this year. Teams give up 3-1 leads repeatedly. It happens. Yeah. That's sports. So any, anything is possible. Um, I would love for the Rockets to you know make another deep run in the NBA uh, postseason this year. But I think if we're talking about teams that are positioned best to win now, it's got to be the Astros. Yeah. But time will tell. Uh, hopefully, all three bring a championship in the next decade. That would be something uh, remarkable for a, a golden age starred, of Houston sports. A city starred for championship sports right now. I <laughs> Are mean, we? I, I think we can only go on like Dynamo and comment victories for so long, but um, <laughs> not very yeah. long. Even. So if you ha- if you have any questions you want to ask us, uh, shoot us a message on uh, Curious Cat. Links in our Twitter bio. Links in our Twitter bio, and you can search that again from Weekly Brewcast. But uh, Kevin, uh, it's just been you and I this week, and yeah. I actually enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Why do you say actually? Because you know, it's just you and me, and I actually enjoyed it. I thought I would hate it, but it's been okay. You know, when I looked at the topics <laughs> this week, I, I was a little bit concerned that, you know, maybe we wouldn't be able to get a full hour out of this. Oh, please. We easily could have gone on for like, oh. you know, another hour. I've so. got another four hours of BS in me for <laughs> sure. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. If you want to follow Kevin on Twitter, check him out at, at KMichaelCook. You can also follow me at a Staten. Of course, you can follow our uh, social media channels for the Weekly Brew on uh, Weekly Brewcast. Just search that on pretty much every single social media channel. Also, guys, you can check out our website, weeklybrewcast.com. We post the show there each week. We want to make sure that you also subscribe to iTunes. And Kevin, I interrupted you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I always plug my own Twitter account, at KMichaelCook, which you should follow. This week, I'm going to plug yours. Oh, you've you're fallen too kind. 200, 250 followers behind me. I don't know how that's happened, but I've, I've just, you know, I've like laughed. Well, let's almost. think about it. Let's think about it. Uh-huh. You work with high school athletes who are on Twitter all the time. <laughs> I don't. Now, if we want to talk about the value of Twitter accounts, mm. mine's probably more valuable. Do we want to talk about the value of yeah, Twitter let's, accounts? Let's look up oh, Cloud right God. now. <laughs> Austin is going to Cloud, which if you know what Cloud is, you're as much of a douche as Austin. But <laughs> in any case, uh, follow A. Staten. He's a good follow on Twitter. He's got a lot of sports takes. I actually don't. I don't have a lot of great sports takes at all. And what I do want to tweet, I can't because I don't want to get in trouble. But but hey, follow us anyway because we could use uh, the followers and uh, and that kind of that support. Yeah, and if you want to follow our other co-host, uh, Fiesta Bear, he pretty much, Fiesta Bear, 
Twitter 08. He pretty much retweets anything from Breitbart. So I'll yeah, check that out. On. Also, Hunter Atkins 35. Uh, follow him from Spring Training. He's going to provide some uh, great content from there. But uh, Kevin, it's been a lot of fun this week. Uh, enjoyed going back and forth with you. Uh, you know, discussing discussing everything from uh, you know the NBA three point contest to dumb laws in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're probably the only podcast uh, that does that, and that's why we are. The I voice sincerely of hope so. Yeah, that's why we are the voice of Houston. But uh, for my co-host this week, Kevin Cook, my name is Austin Statton. We'll see you next week. And guys, remember, no matter who you are, where you go, or what you do this week, always, always brew responsibly. You've been listening to The Weekly Brew. 